0: He's seated, because he's finished his work. He doesn't have to work. He's seated, you know, It's finished. But for Stephen, he stood up. Stephen wasn't part of the Seeker Sensible Church. He wasn't part of the secular, humanistic, religious, what's in it for me, narcissistic church. Stephen revealed the nature of Christ, that everyone is born of the Spirit, their heart circumcised, their old Adamic nature is cut out and thrown away. It's like the snip on the tip, Old Testament (laughs) circumcision, was they just (laughs) snip the tip off, and they threw it away. They didn't stick it back on with Bostick. So we come to the cross, and it upgrades and elevates the dimensions and realms of God's glory. It's no longer the snip on the tip. It's the heart to circumcised. And the old nature of Adam is cut out and thrown away. It's never brought back. If you're born again, it never comes back. And you've only got a Christ nature. Christ is in you, and you're in him, and you move and live and have your life in his being. Amen. So it's wonderful. Stephen understood that every believer in Christ needs to live with a martyr consciousness, a willingness to die for him. We have everything in Christ, the the wonder of the gospel, the grace of God, the dimensions of acceptance grace where we get identity, and the dimensions of empowerment grace where we say no to worldly passions and the deception of this corrupted fallen age. It's not just acceptance grace. There's also empowerment grace. But we need acceptance grace to be the foundation for empowerment grace. Because empowerment grace enables us to do miracles, to build churches, to, to be successful in the business world. Because God loves his people being successful. God's not a failure. And his sons and daughters are successes if they just align with heaven and realize that we are not living in conformity to the pattern of this world but we are authorized by the highest government in the universe to turn to this world from a realm of glory and power and demand humbly that they repent and let go of their corrupted wisdom and conform to the pattern of this of 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 heaven do not be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of mind. So for me, the the longest reason why I didn't become a Christian, I wasn't born in a Christian home, and uh, I became a believer at the age of 23, and we planted a church when I I was 25, and Glenda was 14. No, she was... um, (laughs) I think I'm three years old. I'm one year from 70, okay. So uh, whatever. But... (laughs) But... But... We are called for a, this is a, this earth project is a brief burp in eternity. And we are not to get attached yet. Jesus came from the realm of heaven. He's the only man at that time to stand on the earth and say in John 3, the man that speaks to you is, is in heaven. So it's called, it's, it's called quantum physics. Being in two places at the same time. So he was living from heaven to earth. And the good news is we are co-equal heirs with Christ. We are co-equally sons of God as Jesus is. Amen? Isn't that amazing? We have been, not going to be, we have been co-crucified with Christ. We have been, according to Ephesians 2 and Galatians 2, we have been co-crucified. We have co-died with him. We have been co-buried with him. We are co-raised with him. We have been co-ascended with him. And we are already co-seated with him as co-equal heirs with Christ and heirs of God. And as he is, so are we in this world. Now, I'm going to read from the Bible just because it's better than Bhagavad Gita and other Bible books. But, um, but. I don't know, I just quote, I like quoting the scripture. I, I read the scripture from my heart. I didn't try to memorize the Bible. Revelation implants the, the signature and the kiss of heaven. So in your heart, you just know the word because it's got there by, not by memorizing it, but when it's revealed to you, it's stuck there forever. That's why these whole books you will know, if you know, the, if, you, if God's illuminated those books by revelation, then, then it's, it's, it's illuminated in your heart, and you just remember it. Because you see, as you get older, they say you lose your memory. But, <laughs> um, but, but, but when it's revealed, you never forget. Because it's, it's not in my memory, it's revealed in your spirit. So, so normally I would just quote the Bible, but tonight I just felt the Lord say, read it. And don't even put it on the overheads. Let's go the old-fashioned way and actually read our Bibles. <laughs> on your digital stuff, I still like the paper, man. <laughs> I like writing down notes in my Bible. But you know, if yours is digital, that's fine. You'll, you'll get revelation. <laughs> you can, I'm giving my age away yeah. But I, I, I want to read something that uh, the church has read and then they just got nah, that's that's too impossible So and they they just subconsciously dismiss it. That's the trouble when we unconsciously do things We're not conscious. We've done it because it's unconscious And and I would say without any judgment the majority of the church has unconsciously dismissed this verse as Irrelevant to their life. It's a promise They like the promises, the Lord will bless you coming in, bless you going out. You'll be the head, not the tail. That's a great promise. I love that. But you have a promise that we cannot dismiss. Because all the other promises are fulfilled if we walk and operate in this promise. Jesus had no limitations on this earth in terms of what the Father called him to be. Jesus never did a thing as God. He was always God. But he never did a thing as God. When he walked this earth, he had to do everything as lost, Adam. Because he had to redeem what the first Adam, the man of the dust, the man of the dust betrayed God. And he didn't hate God. He was just envious of God. That's the devil. He didn't hate God. The devil was envious of God. And the devil wanted to be above God out of his envy. Adam and Eve became envious of God. The woke culture and the deception in us corrupted society is not hating God, they're actually envious of God. They want to be God. That's Hinduism. We can all become God. Buddhism is atheism. Buddha didn't want to be God. Buddha understood in his understanding there is no God and I just want to escape the cycle of life and death and I just want to go into the impersonal nothingness. And we the people of the kingdom, the sons and daughters of the most high God, revealed sons, manifested sons, we the people are walking here with a promise that is so radical and awesome yet the church has unconsciously dismissed it. Therefore, we will not succeed in the other promises because they all hung off. What's it hung off? How do you say in Afrikaans? They're all dependent. They're all aligned with this one. This promise now is the promise that will activate and accelerate all the other promises in our lives. So Jesus didn't walk around just like a greedy man and just all kind of selfish ambitions, but he never lacked. I think it's wealthy not to have. I mean, thank God for banks, and I got we got money in the bank, and we just hope it doesn't all disappear with inflation in Australia. But you know, we, but but I, but but Jesus, he didn't have a bank. He just his heaven was his bank. So if he didn't have tax money, he just said, go catch a fish, and the gold coin will come, and you, you pay it off. That's supernatural, man. That's that that's wealth. He could heal everybody unless they were full of the law. Jesus could not heal people that relied on the law. Because condemnation shuts down faith,
1: 100%.
0: And a low-grade condemnation will allow a little bit of faith, but it it will maybe get you healed slowly, or it won't quite be enough if it's too far advanced. And this isn't God just saying, I just don't like you, and you've got sin in your life, so you're just going to die. No, that's not God. He never punishes people. God is not going to be guilty of double jeopardy. You can't punish the same crime twice. And in Isaiah 53, it says, talking about the cross, the punishment for our peace was upon him. How can you we walk around living in anxiety, worry, all these disturbing, oh, I hope God loves me today. I wasn't so good yesterday, so maybe he's a bit miffed with me. No, the punishment for our peace. Jesus was crushed with our condemnation, so we never even need to smell even a hint of condemnation. There is therefore now no possibility of condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, which is walking under the law, but who walk in the Spirit, connected with the Spirit. Amen. One God, three persons, but only one God, Compound unity, living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father's not the Son. Son is not the Father. The Father's not the Son. The Son is not the Father. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's not the Son. Holy Spirit's not the Father. But the Father is God. Jesus is the same God. And the Holy Spirit is the same God. Amen. The Jewish Shema in Deuteronomy 28. You've got the Hebrew words, Echad and Yechad. It says, Behold, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. Now, one of those Hebrew words means absolute singularity, and the other word means compound unity. And the word the Holy Spirit chooses is not absolute singularity, but compound unity. Genesis says, let us make man in our image. And if we don't understand the functions of the Godhead, we're just walking around confused. Everything comes from the Father, comes through the Son, and you can only experience it if you're living in the Spirit. And living in the Spirit is in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And fellowship with the Holy Spirit is to honor Him as Almighty God. He's not the one we pray to. He's the one that helps us pray through the Son to the Father. But we fellowship with the Holy Spirit. He is, I think, my closest friend. And He loves me far more than... He loves me because, you know, there's something about, yes, we love him because he first loved us. But I want to be someone that loves God with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, all my strength, and all my mind. I don't want to be a person that sees God as a gimmick where I can just get from him. I want to love him with all my heart. And I can because I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. I can love him with all my heart. And Paul ends his letter to the Ephesians, a blessing to all of you that love Jesus. God is looking through the earth to see people who love him more than their wife, their husband, their children, their job, money, or anything. And it is the ultimate hypocrisy. It is the ultimate corruption and shocking degradation to not love God more than anything else. It is idolatry. And if we come under the law, we're going to say, okay, I'm going to love God. and I'm going to love him more than other things. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying knowing the triunity, knowing the nature of God, it's easy to love him. And when you love him more than anything else, you have a texture of sanity in your mind and in your life. And you will never rely on human beings to give you your identity because they can't. We do not get our identity from condemnation and guilt and shame. We get our identity from the perfection of Christ imparted his gift of righteousness to us. And all these people say, yeah, I believe in the gift of righteousness, gift of righteousness. But they're constantly trying to impress people because they're so insecure and needy of people's affirmation. Now Jesus never needed anyone's affirmation because he knew the fickle fan club would shout, Hosanna in the highest. And the next day, crucify him. The world is fickle. Even strong Christians are fairly fickle. So you have to be something like Jesus. You have to walk like him, talk like him, and have the intimacy that he had with the Father. And he had that intimacy because the Holy Spirit was his friend. And the first time I heard Catherine Coleman talk about the Holy Spirit as God and as a person that we fellowship with, I thought, I don't know if this is holy, righteous, or in the Bible. And I walked into my study in Pinetown, South Africa in 1982, and I said, I, Holy Spirit, I don't know if I'm allowed to do this, but uh, I believe that you're God and you're not an impersonal force. You're equal with the Father and equal with the Son. And everything comes from the Father, I understand now, and comes through the Son. But I can only experience miracles. I can only experience all the blessings of the Father and all the redemption from the curse of the law. That I can walk in the blessings given to Abraham through the promise of faith. I can only experience all the provisions of heaven so that I do not need to live my life as a secular humanist Christian working by the spread of my brow and doing things in the flesh that do get you rich. But that labor will get you rich but have lots of negative consequences. I'm not against working hard, but I'm saying if you work without faith and work without the power and the anointing of God, you can build empires but destroy everything that's sacred and valuable in your life, family and relationships. And so I said, Holy Spirit, I just pray and I just hope that I'm doing the right thing. But if, if, if what Catherine Coleman said, that funny lady, I said, Holy Spirit, I just want to worship you and connect with you as a person. As I did that, their whole room filled with the glory. And it's never stopped flowing since 1982. It's taken us around the world into Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, Kanifistan. <laughs> into countries we didn't even know they existed. And we've seen miracle signs and wonders and healings effortlessly. If it's not effortless, if it's all sweat, and, come out in Jesus, be here, formulas, flesh, Don't pray for people until they're ready to receive. Most people are not ready to receive because in their minds, they've got so many prejudices, traditions of men, religious traditions, law-based thinking, wrong images of God. They do not know how to receive. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. The kingdom is received. It's not achieved. And you, 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 if you're born again, you've got all of God inside of you, but, but that's not enough. I've got all of God inside of me. No, that's not enough. It's what's on you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's, that's what an activation is, what we call an activation or impartation. Impartation activates what's in you to come upon you. So tonight's about activation. So that's what's in you comes upon you. And then, when we, when, 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 in that study, when the Holy Spirit came like that and the glory of God came like that, and I realized, okay, I'm going to fellowship with the Holy Spirit every single day. I don't pray to Him, I don't petition, I fellowship with Him. I do not pray to Jesus. Jesus said, Don't pray to me anymore. Up to now, you've been praying to me. Don't pray to me. You pray to the Father in my name. And everything you ask the Father in my name, He will give it to you if it's according to Scripture. Amen. So, we don't pray to the Father. I mean, we pray to the Father and we fellowship with the Father, but we don't pray to Jesus and we don't pray to the Holy Spirit. See, we've got to know the functions of the Trinity, we've got to know the divine order. They are co equal. But the Father plans, the Son pays the price for the plan. And the Holy Spirit provides the power for the plan of the Father to manifest in your life. Therefore, walk in the Spirit and live in the Spirit. And there's no condemnation to those who live and walk in the Spirit. See, so many people got the grace message, but they're living under severe levels of condemnation, shame and guilt and remorse and regret. Is because they're not walking and living in the Spirit. Because only that which is lived in the Spirit manifests what comes from the Father through the Son. I don't pray to Jesus. I love Him and worship Him and fellowship with Him. I don't don't pray to the Holy Spirit. I love Him and worship Him and fellowship with Him. I pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. And I pray in the Spirit. And He hears me 100% of the time as He always hears you. And then from the Father through the Son, through the sacrifice of the cross and the resurrection, comes impartation by the Spirit that manifests the answer. So if we could just get all believers to understand what I've just said to you, which is very basic, fundamental, basic, class one Christianity. If we could get the church to understand what we've just talked about now, we would see the same miracles Jesus did happening today. It's that simple. It's not difficult. Okay, Rob, read the scripture now. Okay, I don't know what I said. I waffled there and I didn't finish points, but it doesn't matter. Because God's perfect, we, 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 but we don't live under the tyranny of perfectionism. I do occasionally, but okay, John fourteen verse twelve. Ooh, now, now that is a good response to the word of God. That's a culture in the house, eh? Yes. All right, my son Ryan Ryan Rufus, he, he just he just loves this church as we do. And he said, he's never had such a response anywhere in the world. So so what about the churches I led, right? No. (laughs) He said, I've never experienced such a response in any church until he came here. He had a ball, yeah. 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 I know know I'm I'm his dad, but he's a great boy. (laughs) John 14, verse 12, Jesus speaking very truly. That's amazing that the truth has to say very truly. Because he's really emphasizing this now. Very truly, I tell you, whoever. Say whoever. Whoever. That's timeless, whoever. It's not whoever in the first century. It's just whoever. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. That's this promise that will release all the other promises. So in order for that to be true, if that's true, and it is true, because the truth said it truly, truly, whoever believes in me, whoever has faith in me, the miracles that I've been doing. He didn't say whoever's an apostle, whoever's a prophet, whoever's a royal priest. He said anybody that's totally inclusive, Anybody at any time in history that believes in me, has faith in me, the miracles I've been doing, they will do also an even greater works, which I believe is a new birth after the cross, whatever. The same miracles because I go to the Father. What does the church do? It reads that and just goes... Just ignores it. I remember Hong Kong is a very legalistic city. It's full of the Lord. We had to work so hard, sickle and sickle there, to get the breakthrough with these beautiful Chinese people and get them out of the law into the freedom of grace. But when we we read these verses like this, they just cannot even conceive it's true, even though it's in the Bible. But we cannot afford to do that. This is... One of the climaxing and consummating statements of the Son of God, the head of the church. He's not the Pope. He's the head of the church. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the King of Kings. And he's telling his church, if you believe in me, you should have an ambition in a holy way to do the miracles I've been doing. Because I never came just to be the Son of God and then go back to heaven. I came to raise up billions of sons of God, which are men and women. He didn't come to produce Christians. Ugh. I was, was going to say earlier on, the reason it took me so long to become a Christian is because I met Christians. And now when I mean, you see wokeism coming to the church, I don't know why, are the poor unbelievers out there, what are they going to do? When there's a feminine man walking in it? And I'm not, you know what, I'm not mocking people. I'm just saying it's, it's so insane what's going on in our schools in South Africa, in our universities. Don't just talk about it in America. It's come here. It's a Marxist secular humanistic strategy that's in Karl Marx's books. If you want to take over a capitalist or a nation of freedom, you've got to corrupt the youth through education and schools. Get the, get the, get the teachers in that will teach sexual immorality. Because when sexual immorality takes over the youth, it breaks down their resolve to resist or to think, and it is happening in South Africa. And the church is not even seemed to be aware of it. The church is escaping to a Sunday meeting to pop, prop everyone up, and then go out there as secret agents, not even disclosing our true identity, out of fear, and. Peter denied Jesus three times because he was a coward. But on the day of Pentecost, when the fire came, all fear was burnt out of him, and he preached in their faces, in Israel's face. Wasn't a seek a sensible sermon. Just read it. It's like a whole two, like it's a big, long sermon. Like, in their face, you crucified the Son of God. But he raised him up to prove he is the Son of God. And the people were cut to the heart. He said, it wasn't, come to Jesus, have a bit of peace. No, come to Buddha, you'll get some peace. Go run the Comrades Marathon, you might get some peace. Take marijuana, you might get some peace. Oh, come to Jesus, you'll get some peace. No, your sins have separated you from God. You're on your way to hell, and you need to repent and get saved. This is a good God, because a, a God that just said, oh, it doesn't matter if you hate me, defy me, you, it doesn't matter. That's not a holy God. That's, not a, that's, that's, a fun, that's a dysfunctional God who's got insecurity problems, and he needs our approval. He has got no committees. He's a living God, but he's gentle and loving. In fact, what was I preaching in Glenda? Just tell me. <laughs> now you were sleeping there. Eh? <laughs> Same works. If we're to do the same works that Jesus did, and that's, that's our calling. It's not about whether you're called to be an apostle or prophet or called to be a business person. Or... It's about this verse that we cannot ignore because if we go for this verse and, 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 and burn with a holy ambition to fulfill this promise in our generation, then all the other things are going to come and be activated in our life. But if we ignore this verse, then we're lowering everything in the Bible down below the key pivotal statement of Jesus Christ, one of his parting statements. And I've already told you, he said, you can do this because I go to the Father, and I told you that all the co-seven, co-this, co-that, co-that. And we've got to meditate on that and reflect on the fact that Jesus at the cross identified with us at our very worst so we can be, in the resurrection identified with him at his very best. It is not a shallow little gospel. We just want a little bit of Christianity, a little bit of inoculation from a bit of fear and a little bit of comfort and feel nice. That is totally arrogance, narcissism. We've got to lay our lives down as martyrs. I have had some of my closest friends die. My dad died of cancer. I had no faith crisis. Because I've met this Christ. I know who he is. He was not against. He was not for my dad's death. It wasn't his will. And in that horrible tragedy, my dad had been an atheist most of his life. I was able to lead him to Christ. And he wasn't one of these men. I better just make sure, you know, get my fire insurance done just in case there is, you know. No, it wasn't that. He wept, boy. The Holy Spirit cut him to the heart when peter preached on the day of pentecost it says they were cut to the heart listen people this kind of casual conversion is talk man it's not a little negotiation with heaven he's lord i'm not then if i say yes then i become a son of the most high god i become an ambassador of the highest government in the universe i become authorized to call rebel planet earth into the obedience of faith we're not charged we're not sure to pacify South Africa. We're not charged sure to pacify the government. We're not charged sure to pacify stealing and corruption. We're not charged sure to just keep quiet because we're afraid. We should have a martyr's complex and be ready to die for this gospel. There's hate speech laws in Australia. We have to be clever about what we say. But, and I don't want to just go to jail for nothing, but if they, if they stop me preaching this gospel and what the Bible says in Romans 1, that some behavior is unnatural. And it's not just one behavior that's unnatural. There's a whole list of things there in Romans 1 for people that have suppressed the truth. These are people that have heard the truth in their conscience and in their deduction, and they look at creation, and it's clear you cannot worship a creation; you have to worship the Creator. And the aboriginals in Australia worship creation and reject the Creator. And now the Abri- now the government of Australia is taking Aboriginal religion and having the stuff painted on their heads, and they're going right into the darkness of Romans one. Once you suppress the truth, it says you become darkened in your minds. And then Paul says they are handed over. They're not lost their salvation or they've not been put in a place where they cannot be saved. It just says the general grace that was holding them in some kind of decency is lifted off them. And so they can see the true state of fallen man and they go into degraded things, which you sing across South Africa and across Europe and across Australia. We cannot be a people that just sit at the rapture bus stop waiting to get out of here. Or if we believe in a second coming, let's have fun and be lekker and just get rich and, and be selfish until he comes back. This is a laid down lover's life. It's a total, I've got to deny myself. I've got to. Oh, God. Do I live to leave South Africa? Yes, you've got to go. Back then, I didn't want to go. Go to Australia, mate. Listen, we all, we speak English, but that's where Aussie and South African men differ. We're not, we're, there's, nothing, there's nothing else after that. I'm not like an Australian man at all, and, and, and most of the Australian women I met want to marry South African men. The South African men are lucky, like man. <laughs> I don't know, when I come back here, I just meet these young black, white, colored Indian, South African men who've been through decent schools, and they've been brought up in a culture of humility and honor, and God's real. They are different. And South Africans go to Australia, and and they go there with their teenage kids, and the kids go to government schools, and it's like hell breaks loose, because the kids are smacking the teachers. It's like once you suppress the knowledge of the truth of a living God who's got infinite reference points and he's got an infinite right to make every finite point meaningless and sacred, meaningful and sacred and holy. Listen, we, we are underestimating education. Education should have a kingdom dimension because only a God of order could create a universe that has order. The universe is not impersonal time. The universe that's creation is not impersonal time plus impersonal chance, plus impersonal matter in an impersonal way, creating a personal complexity which contradicts the second law of thermodynamics. Atheism, it is an unbelievable, stupid, dark indecision. It is a blind leap into the dark. Faith in a living God is an intelligent step into the light. You, you don't have to throw science away to become a believer but the church has just reduced like faith to some miserable well we christians no we have a calling to do the miracles jesus did Amen. and greater works because he's gone to the father so many christians just camping in in a low level they've just reached a level and yeah some of them are even tithing now and they really feel like they've hit the pinnacle and it's like this it's just like <laughs> No, a gloriously crucified life isn't a painful life. It's the most joyful life because you've set it. You've, you've made it set. I'm, I'm living with eternity in mind. I'm living with an infinite reference point. And I will gauge the finite points of view. I will gauge them from always the infinite reference point And I will live my life aligned with heaven. And if I lose my comrades, I lose my friends, and, and they reject me and, and whatever, I'm still secure. And if one, people that I love and I pray for die, I'm still secure. I'm grieving and I'm hurting, but I'm still loving and worshiping and knowing that it never was His will. Because we are living in a corrupted, fallen planet that doesn't play fair. And most Christians have got total blind spots to demons. Paul says in Second Timothy, he says, he says, I said, I warn you, church. He said there'll be perilous times in the last days. There will be doctrines of demons in the church. We've seen it now. And they will deny the power of God. Most churches around the world now, and I've done some surveys on this to some degree, not extensively, you just have to go around. They're not raising the dead. They're not seeing blind eyes open. They're not seeing deaf ears open. They said it's all passed away. Cessationism. And I challenge them, these reformers, take, give me one verse, just one. You need two or three witnesses, but just give me one to prove that the power of God has passed away. Sons and what has passed. They can't get it. They can't find it. It's not one there. Some idiots will take, sorry, shouldn't say that. Some fools, no, shouldn't say that. Um, some people will go, <laughs> darling, bless their darling hearts and stupid heads. Some people will say, no, 1 Corinthians 13, rub. He says, when the perfect comes, prophecy and, and, and healings, uh, they pass away. Okay, what's the perfect, mate? Oh, it's the Bible. It's the Bible's arrived. Hallelujah. This is not perfect. It's, 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 it's a limited revelation of God. It's, it's, not, it's not extensive. It's not complete. So when the perfect comes, it's not when the Bible arrives. It's when we go to heaven. Because he said, that we won't be seen through a, a glass darkly anymore. So when we get to heaven, there'll be no need for healings, no need for prophecy, because everyone will be healthy. Everyone will know the living God. We won't need the gifts because we're in the perfect realm of heaven. On earth you need them. And to take these gifts away from the church is really what the devil wants to do. And millions of reformed teachers are doing that. And they're also saying everything's sovereign and God's predestinated and fatalism leads to passivity and no faith. That's doctrines of demons. That extreme reform, five-point Calvinism, is dangerous stuff. And it's even got limited atonement. Jesus didn't die for the whole world. He only died for those he elected to get saved. It's doctrines of demons. It is false theology. It's parts of Reformed thinking, parts of Calvinism. I celebrate because I see it's consistent with Scripture. But some of these things are doctrines of demons. Often preached by great intellectuals. And I love intellectuals. I have no problem with that. But I believe that need to preach with revelation. Oh, and you guys are listening so well. You're making me take too long. okay for for order for us to do the miracles Jesus did that as far as I can see is that that requires four things number one it required from Philippians 2 it requires from verse 6 Philippians 2 it requires that Jesus um, had to give up Let me put it a different way. It requires, well, let me just quote the Scripture. That's easier. Philippians 2, even though he was equal with God, Jesus, equal with God, part of the Trinity, equal with God, even though he was equal with God, he did not count equality with God something to be grasped. But he humbled himself. He didn't didn't lose his divinity his divinity was simply restrained in his humanity, like last Adam. Amen. So he, he, even though he was equal with God, he did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but humbled himself and took on the form of a man. He took on the reality of what it means to be limited to humanity. He didn't come with any special gifts. He took on the form of man and was obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God highly exalted him and gave him a name above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee, every demon knee, every knee shall bow in heaven and on the earth and under the earth to the glory of God the Father. So when Jesus walked this earth, the immaculate conception through a virgin birth, the blood in him was the blood of God, not the blood of first Adam. And he was sinless, but he was still fully man. And he could not do any miracles out of his identity as God. Because if he had done his miracles out of his identity as God, he would have been lying to us to say, truly, truly, I say to you, anyone who believes in me can do the same works and miracles I've been doing because I go to the Father. That means he did every miracle as a man trusting the Holy Spirit. And the reform thinking theology has confused the church on this. And then... Number two, I've already spoken, we identified with him at his very best, etc. Number three, we must all have the same anointing of Jesus. Because it didn't say the collective body will do the miracles, it said anyone, anyone. One means uno, uno, one. Anyone who believes in me will do the miracles I've been doing and greater works because I go to the Father. Now, I want you to turn to, if you've got your Bibles, still, go to Acts 10. I could just quote these, but let's just read these things. Are you guys still with me? Yes. Are you ready to be activated? Yes. In about three hours, we'll be ready. No, joking. The good thing about church is when people want to go to the toilet, they, in grace, we're free to go. We don't have to wear our pants. We shouldn't have to wear nappies to church. And, and if we need to go home or whatever, people just can get up and walk out, and there's no offense. Amen. I've just seen these churches around the world. They preach for th- 25 minutes. I, it's no wrong with preaching 25 minutes, but this little sermonette and, and, a, and, a, and a celebrity thing, and then those churches are just collapsing all over the planet because they seek a sensible, not God-centered. And God finally said, I've, I've let them go. I've let them go. No repentance. They're going to fall. Let me get back to Peter quickly. On that day of Pentecost, the people said, what must we do to be saved? They were cut in their heart. And you know what he said? He didn't say, oh, you sweet little things. You just... You know try your best and be a happy christian no he said repent and save yourself from this corrupt generation and 3000 were added there save yourself now you don't get saved no you don't just get saved and then go into a corrupt generation and stay there he said repent so that's being born again and save yourself from this corrupt generation in other words as soon as someone's born again they should be immediately looking for the culture of the kingdom. because the culture that of this Earth is corrupt, it hates God, it rejects God, it's envious of God, and it wants to be like, it wants to be God. There's only one uncreated creator. We are the creation, with the eternal image and likeness of God, and we do not create anything. We don't create our own universes. He's the creator, and he's uncreated. We walk with his God, and we can do what he wants us to do, and we can do the things that Jesus did and greater. We can raise the dead when it's relevant. Jesus, in recorded in Scripture, only raised three people from the dead. So you don't raise everyone from the dead. Some people don't want to be raised from the dead. Some people in heaven say, don't you dare bring me back. <laughs> it's so lacquer up here, man. <laughs> No, ask them up there. It's the, the Lamb is the light of heaven. <laughs> oh, I'm getting naughty now. Okay, Acts 10 verse, verse 38. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, not God, under the power of the devil, because God was with him. Now, if He says we, you and me, the believers, can do the works He did and greater, then we have to have the same Holy Spirit. We can't have a less anointing. Now, some people have got specific anointings for specific functions. That's different. What we're talking about here is the issue of miracles. Jesus said, in John 14:12. He's talking about miracles. Acts 10:38. The anointing is talking about miracles. So you've got to connect the one to the other. It's quite logical. And we know when we are doing the miracles of Jesus at the same level, we know now we're operating in the full power he was not Amen? Because activation or impartation is activating what's inside of you to come on the outside of you. I'm going to say it again. He's, Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Upon me, not in me, he said it's upon me and he's anointed me to do this and this and that. In Isaiah 60, it says that, uh, rise, shine, for your light has come. And in the times of darkness, the glory of the Lord rises upon you. So activation is releasing what's in you to abide upon you. So every morning I get up, I spend 10 minutes in my man's cave and I say, Holy Spirit, come in fire. And from the, what's in me, come upon me and deal with my soul, deal with my emotions, deal with anything of resentment in my heart. Mature people encourage themselves. Immature people wait for others to encourage them. It is... It is one of the key for successful marriage is the husband encourages himself and the wife encourages himself. It is like hell living next to someone who refuses to encourage themselves but lets themselves descend into mental health, and depression and just go down, 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 down and create hell. I do not want to be a person exporting my depression and my negativity. I am a melancholic by a temperament but I will encourage myself. Every morning I'll get up and my specific saying, Holy Spirit, any resentment in me, search me, O oh Lord, and see if there's any wicked ways on the inside of my heart because of corruption and, and, and gossip and negativity and unbelief and, and resentment and unforgiveness and, and all that stuff is in here. There's very little room for the word to the seed of God's word to germinate. The only thing that germinates is toxic seeds in a toxic heart. And Proverbs 4:27 says, Above all else. Everyone say above all else. Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it comes the issues of life. The corruption that's coming out of Christians' hearts is because they are not guarding it, because they're pathetic, immature wussies, And they are they are releasing hell on South Africa, because we are meant to walk like Jesus and have the same anointing of the Spirit and power to go around doing good and healing all that are oppressed of the devil because God is with us. But Christians again, my name's Jimmy. Come on, come to me, 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 me. Come pastor, lay your hands on me. Hey, you going, we play hands on people until they're going bald. I learned as a as a 23-year-old came out of an atheistic home, was cynical of Christians in the church. I learned I'm not going to be like Christians. If I'm going to go from Hinduism, which I was in as a Hare Krishna, if I'm going to become a Christian because I believe Jesus is Lord and He's the only way because He came into the temple and revealed Himself to me, if I'm going to be a Christian, I don't want to be like Christians. I want to be like Jesus. Because the world needs a, a filtering out of counterfeit Christians, and it's happening. They think, oh, COVID, COVID's filtering out. They're leaving. They just go, are we going to go over here? Good, go. Do not think the church benefits by the number of people sitting in the building. It benefits by the the power and the fire on each individual because they mature. Now, new converts will quickly transition into the culture. You don't have to put so much attention on new converts if the culture's so clear. Fire, glory, he's first, he's Lord. We're not Lord. We're his servants. We're sons. We are privileged and honored sons who do the works of Jesus and greater work. That culture needs to be so clear that any new convert coming in will be instantly inculcated into that culture. Look at the early church. 3,000 saved on the day of Pentecost, and then they grew to 5,000. It's not about numbers. There was such fear of God in that church. No one would lie after Ananias and Sapphira died for lying to the Holy Spirit. They were cured. There was no more inner healing for why we lie. There was no, my dad hit me and put me in a cupboard to punish me. No, no, all liars stop lying. Because the fire of God was in the house. You can be so holy if the power of God is in the house. Sin is not difficult to say no to. In abundance of grace and the fire of God, it burns stuff out of you. Peter got set free from fear. And then he saw a vision on rift rooftop and he realized God's grace is equal to the Gentiles. As to the Jews, the gospel must go to all nations. And then in Antioch, when the circumcision party come up, circumcision party carried their Bible in a way that's intimidating. It's a big black one. It's like, hallelujah. There's something in the spirit of fear there. Legalism is intimidating. And it says Peter became afraid. Peter became afraid. Peter cuts... Ears off became afraid. Peter preached the first New Covenant message to, and 3,000 got saved. He became afraid. Even they had an open vision too that the Gentiles are loved by the Father as much as he loves the Jews. Makes no distinction at all. Because when you come into Christ, there's neither Jew nor, nor, nor Gentile. There's neither male nor female, but all are one in Christ. That's not gender confusion, by the way. It means that we are co-equal heirs with Christ. So men are not beating up women in superior attitudes, and women are not beating up their husbands and pouring petrol on them when they go to sleep. The gospel has the power to heal marriages. But this is it, folks, the gospel. I remember Rana Bonke saying this. He said, you can have have the whole world that's so dirty. And the atheists asked him, well, why is the whole world, if Christianity has been around for 2,000 years, why are there so many dirty people? He said, soap's been around for 2,000 years. And if people don't take the soap and apply it, they're going to be dirty. If you don't daily get in the fire of God by yourself, stop needing other people to get you in. There's a place for two or three gathered. There's a place for community. But there's an individual secret place that you need to know the address of heaven and visit there. Not visit there, live from there. Everyone, I'll get up. Even if you're busy and you've got to get to work early, long traffic, at least 10 minutes. That's not a long time. Just, Holy Spirit, just search me. If I search me, I'll be too hard on myself or I'll be too soft on myself. So, Lord, you search me because you're redeeming and full of grace. Search me and see if there's any wicked way in me, any selfish agendas, any resentment, any bias, any meanness. And, Lord, if it's a righteous anger, I want that. Because Jesus had righteous anger. He cracked a whip. He kicked over tables. That was righteous anger. The church needs. Frankie Schaefer wrote a book, It's Time for Righteous Anger. The church is so passive with what's happening around us. And we're so afraid to talk about what the true pattern of the church is in the New Covenant in case we, others think we're judging them. We're not judging them when you're telling the truth. If you're telling, never tell the truth without love. And never speak in love without truth. That's wokeism. Love without truth is madness. And truth without love is mean. Truth sets free if it comes from love and compassion. Amen. But there is a time for righteous anger. Some of the greatest miracles we've seen is when we got so angry with the devil that the fire of God's come out of us. John Lake, that great man of God, uh, he prayed for this woman for days and days, and, and she just kept dying of cancer. And finally he was walking down the road to her house. He had gone out to eat a bit, and he was coming back after weeks of praying for her and no healing. And he was walking back like this, and from 100 meters away, he could hear her screaming with pain, and this anger came over him. And he sprinted to the house. He jumped. He's a godly man, but he jumped right into the bed with her and held her and rebuked the devil with such intensity. All cancer disappeared out of her body. Hello, Jesus. Hello, Jesus. The loose wrist brigade. Hello, Jesus. Just do a little healing here. He's a sunburned carpenter, sunburned carpenter with blazing eyes. When John, who was so familiar with him at the Last Supper, saw him in his resurrected glory, he fell down. And I believe he fell under the power. And she said, oh, it's okay, get up. (laughs) So familiar at the table. But when he saw the resurrected Lord of glory. Ah, Jesus is not a humble Nazarene walking around. This self-same Jesus, the angel said, will come in the self-same way as the self-same Jesus. So that is that is true. He's not. He's still the loving, gracious, compassionate Christ. Can you say Amen? amen. But his glory is no longer restricted into a mortal body. It's an immortal body, a resurrection body. Come on. Yeah, you know, I get goosebumps now. So here's the thing, and that we can. There are some things that happen in the miraculous that I don't understand, and I don't think we'll, we'll understand this side of eternity. But that's not an excuse for me to not search out the ways, the predictable ways of God. And one of the ways of God that Jesus operated with primarily in my research of Scripture, in my opinion, His primary way of healing the sick, was the transmission of heavenly electricity with His words, with His eyes, or with His hands. The transmission of anointing, healing virtue to people. And if they received it, they could be healed. But if they stayed in the head or that out the law of condemnation to shut their feelings that I'm not worthy to receive this, then they could not receive it. So Jesus did not go into place and just pray for everyone, hands on everyone. He would have got maybe about 10%, maybe 5% yield. That's the average today. So I went to Brisbane once, and I said, I'm not praying for anyone until you sit down, you listen to seven messages, it's God's will to heal you. Clearly, we talk about Paul's thorn in the flesh, Job, all that nonsense, and we'll explain it in context and show and reveal what all of that is. And then they can intelligently open their hearts to receive. But if they're confused, double-minded, got traditions of men, legalism, condemnation, you can lay hands on your head for hours, nothing is going through. And instead of begging, me, oh, come on, please receive. Oh, please take it. No, if they're not taking it, love them. Step back and say, well, are you prepared to listen for one hour while I read the promises of God's word that it's his will to heal you specifically? You don't need a special sign from heaven. Just rely on the revealed eternal word. And we've done that so many times. And when we did that in Brisbane, I tell you, people, a lady came out of her wheelchair, her husband was really angry, because he was getting special payments from the Australian government for looking after her, and I caused so much to her. she had for blindness, she was healed. I just ran down the road, we went like, this, bang, 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 because I took seven sessions, two, three days, and they were willing to sit there, because people will spend thousands of dollars on an operation in the hospital, they'll wait in queues for hours and hours in crowded hospitals, but they will not wait for five seconds. To hear the word, ah, give me the word now. Start praying for me now. No, you're not ready. Jesus would take not you. they would take. He would take in most places at least three days. Three days. He preached not the law to them. He preached the law to the Pharisees, but to the people, he preached the good news of the kingdom. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is touchable. It's tangible. It's reachable. It's right here now. The kingdom is here. Amen. And when he taught them, and when he saw faith had come up to a certain level, then he began to speak. Whenever I go to a church, I have to discern what's the average level of revelation and faith and understanding of the the flow of the anointing, the electricity of heaven. How do they understand that? And if they don't understand it, don't start teaching. Jesus wouldn't start teaching. He would just preach. I mean, he wouldn't start praying. He would start teaching. Notice, you'll see this. This is a three-step program. It's in many parts of the Gospels. He first teaches, then he preaches, then he heals. That's his sequence. Because you try to get most Christians today in South Africa healed, you won't get them healed because they got so much confusion because of the doctrines of devils and the doctrines of men. They're not relying on the Word. They don't even want to read the Word. Just get me healed. And yet they'll invest their lives into other things that are temporal. So I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to say, if we want to see the works Jesus did done and greater works, we've got to have the same power of the Holy Spirit that He had. We've got to get the same Spirit. And we've got to get the Word of God very clear. So let's just read this. Oh, I, I'm gonna, I am going to cut it short. All right. Okay, so... I, when we, when we, when we first, I'm going to talk about it to the pastors tomorrow, how I had an activation and what happened and how it changed my life. And, and um, but I, I just want to talk very briefly about this one way. There are many different ways Jesus got people healed, many different ways. Sometimes you spit on mud, put it on your eyes, go wash at the pool of Shalom. You say, why do you do that? I don't care, the guy's eyes open. Yeah. It worked. But we're not to just follow all of these things unless the Spirit of God leads us like the Father led Jesus. Amen? But there's one way that we've got more people healed than any other way, and that's by the divine electricity. That's what i want trying to close with. Hopefully take a few minutes because it's important. I'm going to bring impartation for those who want and for healing for those who want, but I can't do it unless you know how to receive, okay? So... He has a classic. It's happened to me thousands of times, but I'm maybe hundreds of times. But it was so classic in Hong Kong. When I was there Hong Kong people so much legalism in their heads, and I taught them grace, and we broke strongholds of their minds for most of them. But they go back so quickly when an auntie or an uncle, the parents, have incredible power to bring them back to evangelical Christianity, which is nothing. It's code name for total condemnation and legalism. That's why they say in China, in, Ch- in Hong Kong, most of the evangelical churches say miracles have passed away. The reason why miracles have passed away is because their traditions have nullified the Word of God. It's not, yes, yeah, miracles have passed away in their church, but not in the earth. And so we've had people come out of wheelchairs in Hong Kong, they go back to their dead churches walking. And this is, what the, this, this is the truth. This happened in Hong Kong. The pastor said to the lady, come into our church, get out of her. I didn't pray for her. Our members of our congregation prayed for her because we teach them how to bring people out of wheelchairs. And so she came out the wheelchair, Mrs. Wong, or Mrs. Lee, Mrs. Lee, and she goes back to her church, walking, no wheelchair. Oh. Pastor says, she says, Jesus healed me in City Church International Hong Kong. Pastor says, "Not." God's not healing today, so that's definitely the devil. So he called what God does, the devil. So, she's, so she thought, no, her friend, a friend of hers, she had been in that wheelchair for 20 years, by the way, and a friend of hers who had known her for 20 years saw Mrs. Wong, Mrs. Lee, walking. And so she had also had some health problems, and she thought, hey, Mrs. Mrs., Mrs. whatever, Mrs. Lee, who cares? She said, Man, she came out the wheelchair. I don't believe that can be the devil. So she came to our church to see what kind of church brings her friend, and she kind of thought, Well, maybe Mrs. Wong is not Wong. And I tell you, this is fun, eh? And I know you see miracles too. It's fun. Isn't it fun when, isn't there great joy when someone gets out of a wheelchair or they go for the cancer test and it's clear? And of course, there's a lot of pain when it's not clear and the person dies and we love them and we we don't know why sometimes. But if we just stay objective and not be personal about it and just step back a bit, read my book and it's not just about the testimonies of healing, it's the revelation that unlocks every single healing. And so, I went down this row. I just taught for an hour to help people be more receptive. And I go, go, bang, fire falls. Bang, fire falls. Nothing. And I told people, I've taught for an hour to get you ready to be receptive. If I don't feel you receiving, I'm not being mean. I just can't stop there and go, please, and then give you another half an hour personally because you went to the toilet while I was teaching. Not because you've got a bladder problem, just because you're not interested because you don't connect the word with the healing. Healing is the children's bread, and it comes from the word. And so I thought, no, I can't stop. Well, that lady a few months later, beautiful lady, beautiful Chinese lady. We loved it. She died. She died. And I knew the moment she wouldn't take it, I knew why she was going to die. I knew she was going to die because she's heard me teach on how to receive for years, but her tradition keeps blocking receptivity. And I get to another lady. Uh, she's a, a Chinese lady. And I left my hand like this. I didn't even get it. I didn't even get my gun out. My holster was like about here. And she f- flew through the air. She flew through the air and bang, hit the floor. And as she hit the floor... Her, her, chin. She, she did this with her chin. I thought, what the heavens is that? So, Dr. Lex, a South African doctor from Cape Town, who's in our church, an elder there, he came up to me and said, "No, this is this lady has got the common disease that is common to only Hong Kong Chinese people. It is a cancer at the back of the throat um, that 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 will kill them, but they can't access that cancer uh, with with radiotherapy or." whatever it is called, uh, they have to do it from behind. And and so they can kill that thing to some degree, but the price of that is it kills the neck muscles, and they cannot lift. They have become totally dysfunctional, and they cannot lift up the, the head. And so their head goes down and down and down, and finally they have to have a tube in here, to, to, and then, and then they, they start suffocating, and they die. They die 100% die. Well... In one second, of a little boy from Pond, just going, she flew backwards. Wow. Well, the other lady took nothing, had heard the same message, but still chose to operate from the head. Am I worthy? Because the other lady we love, she, she had such high standards for herself, which is another way of saying the law. She kept beating herself up for not being a better wife, a better Christian. That is legalism, and we couldn't get this lovely lady free. She's a beautiful-looking Chinese lady. Broke her heart. There's nothing I could do. Because if, if they don't say, I'm going to go with the word, but the, they choose to go with feelings of condemnation, unworthiness, they can't receive. They, they shut. They actually subconsciously resist the anointing. And you could feel it, like like this, nothing. It's just like nothing. That's the majority of Christians in the world today. As we travel the world, if I don't teach, I don't like teaching for an hour. I don't don't like my own sound voice. But if you don't teach, Jesus did it for three days. Teach, sequence, preach, exhort, then heal on about the third day. And we just uh, run around, just lay hands on people. Well, you think you're better than Jesus. Can do the works you did in greater works if we follow the ways that Jesus did them. And I got in this lady next said, uh, "This is an incurable disease." Well, she came back to church the next week, <laughs> eating, started putting on weight. It's just contact and transmission, and receptivity. That's that's how easy it is. If you stick your finger into an electric socket while Eskimo is working. Now the power station in heaven is working all the time and it is flowing through the finished work of the cross. The finished work of the cross are the generators that are constantly supernatural. The heavenly generators are the finished work of the cross and the glory is flowing in full volume of the power that was operating on Jesus. So if you stick your finger into an electric socket and it's, and, and, and is on, I, I tell you this, I don't care if you're reformed, I don't care what your temperament is, I don't care if you're a man or woman, what color skin you are, you will feel something. Amen. Oh, Rob, we're not meant to feel it. You think it's just faith. If you've got faith, you'll feel. If you haven't got faith, you'll also feel. You'll feel depression, negativity, and suicide. The devil's trying to kill lots of people today by our suicide. If you stick your finger in a plug, and it's on. Your eyeballs will go round in circles. Your curly hair will go straight, and your straight hair will go curly. You will feel something. You will have an experience to testify about. And those cynics that say, ah, you just made that up, say, okay, come here, grab the hand, stick it in the plug, and they will, ah, it's true. I feel something. The, the capacity to feel the tangible anointing, the capacity, the loss of that capacity in the church worldwide is a tragedy. Yes. The anointing of God is tangible. That means it's detectable and discernible on the natural senses. I don't know if Adam and Eve had natural electricity in the Garden of Eden. Probably didn't need it. They don't need it in heaven because the Lamb is the light. But after the fall of man, mankind only a few hundred, only about 150 years ago, don't, historians don't correct me there. I don't really care if it was 160, 162 and a half days, whatever. It was a long time ago. Edison, whatever. When electricity was discovered, that's when civilization accelerated across the planet. Without electricity, that divine—not that—that natural current of the anointing, without electricity, our modern world would function. If, if electricity, if Eskimo disappeared 100%, if electricity disappeared across our planet tonight and was not switched on ever again, before they found a new way, millions would die of starvation, there'd be chaos, there wouldn't be enough guns to stop the writing and the robbing. If our electricity shut down in the natural, natural electricity across the world, we would m- see millions die. And total deficit. Planes wouldn't fly. Everything was shut down. No computers, no. Everything we rely on is gone. Now, how can we realize, if we don't realize how desperate we'd be without electricity, how can we accept a lifestyle without the divine electricity? How can we think that we can't operate with her divine electricity? And, and when I touched that lady, it was no gift of healing in me. It was her faith seeing by revelation, this is divine, tangible, discernible, detectable electricity from heaven, and all I have to do is receive it, and not from my head, but from my heart. Because I've said again twice today, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Verse 10 says, for with the heart man believes that God raised him from the dead. It didn't say with the head. People cannot be saved by believing with the head. You have to believe with your heart God raised Jesus from the dead. And confess him as Lord. And that's the coaching we have to coach people on how to receive. And that's why when I took three days to do it, the vast majority got instantly healed. And Jesus taught and preached and then healed. It's not trial or error. This is not an accident. There are divine laws of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that operate predictably. And we need to align ourselves with those laws of life that are in Christ. Can you say amen? amen. There was a little lady you can read about her in Matthew 5, our time's gone. And if you look at it in Matthew 5, it says this. It says that there was a woman with an issue of blood, and she had spent all her money on doctors. Remember, doctors went, thank God for doctors. Say amen, and hospitals. So doctors didn't know as much as they do now, okay. But I, I'm telling you, don't use medical science as an excuse to, to not understand the ways of healing because doctors can't heal you of everything. There's a way you can actually live with minimal sickness in your life. I, don't want to, I know some people say, well, I've never been sick, and then they die um, suddenly. But, no, I, I, but, but every morning when I ask the fire to come on, I say, let the divine virtue quicken every cell in my body. Let the same power that raised Jesus from the dead quicken my mortal body with immortal power because I have righteousness on the inside of me. Romans 8. And every day I deliberately lean into health coming from heaven on my body. So people say, well, you must have a good immune system because you never get sick. I think I have got a good immune system because the anointing is boosting my immune system. Now, people are scared to say that because then they go, well, the devil's going to come and kill that person, and then everyone will be shocked. No, he won't do that because every day I'm going to be covered in the anointing. The shield of faith quenches not some fiery darts, every fiery dart of the devil. And those fiery dots are not sickness and disease. They are lies about the good nature of God, Amen. which opens people up to all the other stuff the Amen. devil does.
1: Amen.
0: Where was I, Glenda? I'm trying to close. I'm actually trying to land this plane. <laughs> so she said, If I but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. That lady is one of my greatest heroes in the Bible. Her example has changed my life and my entire ministry. That lady. How did she hear about Jesus? What did she hear? I know what you would have heard from the Pharisees. You're a woman. You can't touch a man in a public place. And this issue of blood is a sign of the curse of the law. And you can't even sit on a bench in town. And you must... Go and hard, and when you come into a place where the people shout, Unclean, 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 not just the lepers, people with an issue of blood. So she had been totally rejected by the 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 Orthodox religious leadership and condemned. And then she heard about Jesus. I don't know what she heard, but she must have heard. He's healing lepers, prostitutes, sinners, people who still got unforgiveness in their life for getting healed. There are all those big crowds, and it says, and they were all healed, and they were all healed, and they were all healed. Don't tell me they all were holy people with no unforgiveness and no sin in their life. No, he doesn't care what you've got in your life. He's going to heal you. But you see, the reason why some people struggle to get healed is because they're under law of religious condemnation, which the Pharisees put on us. 100% zero condemnation, 100% healing. 90% 90% condemnation, 90% healing. The church is in about at the highest, maybe 20% in some cases, but mostly about 3%, which still shows how much condemnation is in people's psyche still. They come and listen to grace Minister. yeah, hey, hallelujah, that means I can feel a bit free. It's much deeper than that. It's your whole psyche is renewed and washed with this nothing dreadful or sinful I can do to cut off favor from my Father. He's always relating to me in my position in Christ, not relating to my behavior in my condition. He will always relate to me in my position in Christ. And that I have warranted by His grace to receive the full voltage of heaven's electricity to to be saved. Now, when you see that, when someone lays hands on you, your heart just goes, bring it on, brother. Bring it on, sister. And you take it. Now, this woman... Jesus didn't even pray for her. This is, this is, oh, this woman's my hero. She pressed in the crowd, it says in Mark 5. She crept up behind him, a Jewish man. And she had an issue of blood. She's not allowed to be there. It's a death sentence. Sometimes the church has to be a bit radical against the traditions. And it says, and she touched him. And it says this word, so immediately, she touched him. And it says, immediately, Jesus felt that power, and Angela, power had gone out of him. And the next verse says, and she felt in her body. She was well. Jesus didn't lay hands on her. He didn't pray for her. He was walking along the road minding his own business. Thousands were touching him. If you read the scripture, it said the crowds were pushing on him. The thousands were touching him. And she came up and the crowd, she touched him and it was gone. She felt in her body she was made well. Jesus felt the power gone. God, turning around and said, who touched me? I'm sure you've heard this. Imagine you're a disciple. Everyone's touching you, Jesus. Everybody. Now he's, trying, he's saying, but someone made a demand on the anointing. Someone got a revelation or understood that I am God the Son, the Son of God, the Messiah. I am the anointed one. And I've been anointed with the Holy Spirit in power. And you touch me, and that heavenly electricity will run straight into you. And he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in shalom, go in peace, which means go in prosperity. In other words, she's healed, and she's going to get all the money back that she spent on the doctor. Now, the question is, there were thousands touching him. Why didn't they get healed? Why didn't they get the power? Why didn't they get blessed? Why? Because they were touching him with a religious spirit of ceremony, ritual, hope. Hope will not get you healed. Hope is futuristic. And the closer you get to the future, hope goes further into the future again. So Hebrews 11 verse uh, 2 it says, faith is the evidence of things not seen, the substance of things hopeful. So faith injects substance into hope and pulls hope into the now. And if you try to analyze what faith is, you don't know because faith comes into your heart, not your head. I've seen people come out of wheelchairs and I've been healed when my head's arguing and analyzing, but my heart's pulling on the power. Amen? So some people don't know how to spray pray in tongues. you hands them, they can't receive. Because they don't know how to receive. Because they're always transmitting. Ah. They don't know how to turn their transmitters off, put their receivers on. And sometimes the worst are leaders. Because if you know how to receive, something's going to happen to you, and you might fall in front of your people. You might rattle and roll. You might even fart on the ground. But you, you don't know what to do. I, I I'd never like I was in a meeting and uh, <laughs> Okay <laughs> Colonical flagellance same thing as fart let me say Elizabethan Victorian <laughs> English on me. We South Africans man, we can talk rough, eh? Looks no okay now <laughs> So you adorn him stop it Rob Stop it <laughs> So thousands of people are touching Jesus. One woman gets the miracle. And they're touching the same garment, filled with power. That's the church today. They come up. You want to pray for the sick? They come up there, and they stand there passively, like that lady I was talking about. They just stand there passively. Okay, pastor, do your job, eh? Just like, you know, I don't know if it's magic. I don't know what you do, but... I've been in the toilet because I'm bored, I don't listen to the word, I don't want to get faith from the word, because you're the pastor, you're the dominie, you' umfundisi. know you know what to do. There's a separation between clergy and laity which is absolute blasphemy against the cross. He died for all to be royal priests, doing the works Jesus did, and greater works, because he's gone to the Father. But she touched him. And the multitudes, it was his will as much to heal the multitudes as it was to heal her. But they were doing the religious, charismatic, crusomatic, crusomaniac, kiss your brains goodbye and be an idiot. <laughs> Sorry. You guys make me naughty. It's not my fault. You're making me naughty. So you are naughty people, and now you're making me naughty. <laughs> the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's why I go into the fire every single day. Because if I start getting depressed, if I start getting letting my emotions dial down into negativity, I'm an idiot. I allowed it. I cannot rely on others to encourage me. If you encourage me, it's a bonus. But if you don't encourage yourself and you start to go downhill, then the wrong kind of people will come to you to encourage you with psychic agendas to own you and control you. So you need to encourage yourself and how you do that. Lord, I see I've got this negativity. I I come against it in Jesus' name. This attitude in me, go in the authority of Jesus' name. I am not passive. I'm aggressive. When people say, Rob, you're always happy, always happy. It is not a coincidence. I'm getting unhappy to hear you say I'm always happy because you're not happy because you are lazy. You are lazy with your cleaning your own heart out. I choose to be happy, not just by choice, but by actually getting God's vacuum cleaner to suck out of my heart negative. I've been, I've been insulted. I've been hurt. Because when you are hurt and you don't let the anointing clean it out, that hurt begins to become a much worse thing. And you got the majority of Christians are not in church anymore because they got offended by someone. Jesus is called the rock of offense. Paul the Apostle did all that he did, and he was beaten and imprisoned, and smacked and whipped and rejected, even by churches he planted. And he says, All of this momentary affliction is storing up for me an eternal weight of glory. So I say, All these modern Christians say, Oh, I love the gospel that Paul preached. Oh, it's so sweet. Oh, no, do you live his lifestyle? Going to prison, being whipped, being stoned. I'm going back to where I forgot. He was stoned. They threw stones on paper, fell down. Fell down. Boom. All the disciples abandoned, all ran into the city. Bunch of cowards. But I would have been with them running. (laughs) Maybe a few years ago, I would have done that. But not now. Because to die for him is worth it. Don't die for nothing. If you're going to escape it, don't do it. Just save yourself. I mean, get in a basket and be loaded out of the city. and Get out. But if it means for the gospel's sake you have to die, die for him. A witness means to be a martyr. That's what it means. If you want to carry the power, it says, well, I'll give you power to be my witnesses. <laughs> I'll give you power to be my martyrs, to live for eternity. What we've been sold is a Christian bill of lies. He gets stoned. His, his fellow Christians, his apostolic team, <laughs> run. So Paul is there still, unconscious or dead? We don't know. The Bible doesn't say he was either in a coma, unconscious, or he was dead. The next day, the disciples come around and stand all around him, and they pray for him. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having a good sleep at home in your bed. And then they pray for him. And he says, Paul, just gets up. Just gets up. No, I don't know if you know what it's like to be stoned. He wasn't healed. He was raised from the dead or he came out of a coma, but his whole face is smashed in. He's got rocks that are bashed into his body. And he's, he just gets up and he says, okay, we've done enough here in Lister and all this area. Let's go down there to Galatia. <laughs> they haven't got a church there yet. A Whole lot of Jews down there, but they're full of the law. And he says to his team, said, Okay, who's coming? No, not me. No wonder John Mark said, I'm not traveling with Paul anymore. This is not a not a, like a cruise. This is this is you don't know whether you're gonna live from one day to the next. Rivers attack you when you're around Paul. And now we want Christian. give me the grace message so I can just feel pathetically nice, narcissistic, and self-indulgent. What a lot of, hmm, stop, do And I, Paul's allowed to say all that legalism is dung. The Greek word is a lot bigger, it's worse than crap or dung. It's a big word, but it's in the Bible, but we're not allowed to say the word, but it's in the Bible inspired by the Holy Spirit. That all legalism that I'm talking, exposing as, which you agree with, is dung. According to the Bible, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's dung. He couldn't find a word puffy enough to say, so he just said dung. He just wanted to pe- know people know uh, you got under that law stuff. You're rubbing crap over yourself, and you stink. You stink. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm using Scripture, but we're Elizabethan and Victorian, so we can't even quote Scripture now. I don't swear in my private life. This is not swearing. I'm using Bible verse here. Unsaved can't relate to our Victorian sanctimonious stuck-up religion. They can't relate, but they could relate to Jesus. All the crowds came to them, and he was accused of loving sinners and being a friend of sinners and drinking, eating bread and drinking wine. And they said, oh, John the Baptist, you know, he didn't drink wine, he said, that he didn't do that. And he said, but wisdom is justified in all her children. It's not about whether you drink wine or don't drink wine, to be or not to be, this is the question. It doesn't really matter. It's is there a texture of wisdom Wisdom is justified in your life. People don't look to see if you drink wine or don't drink wine or vegetarian or you know, carnivore. They don't really care one flying figure about that. What they care about is do you have emotional intelligence? Are you always vomiting up your opinions because you're nervous and insecure? Or do you know how to listen to people and hear their hearts? Because people aren't listening to each other now. They just, my opinion, my opinion, my opinion. And I just see these mouths going, go, yeah, they're nervous. So that's what they, that's their therapy, just talk. And, I, 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 and because my dad taught me how to listen, which is emotional intelligence, I get stuck with people for at least an hour and a half. Of now, you got stuck with me tonight, okay? And I'm just talking. <laughs> and Glenda's saying, come on, finish now. <laughs> hey, my friend, <fros>, sit there. Eh? <laughs> now, when I get back, she's going to smack me, eh? What was I talking about? <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey! You can't keep up with your sleeping, eh? Hey? You're sleeping. <laughs> anyway, so, so Paul gets up and he says, "We're going to plant a church in Galatia." His whole face has been smashed in. People, today people don't come to church if it's raining too hard. What happened? What happened to the martyrs, sacrificial? Oh, well, church is just worship and the word. And, you know, I say we just miss that sometimes. Worship and the word. And meeting together with a corporate body. It is energizing you in ways that you actually don't even understand. Just watch people stay away from church for an extended period of time. They get further and further into deception. It's not just that they get cold. They go into deception. They listen to doctrines of demons. Then they listen to the universalists. Then they listen to the organic church people. Listen, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, the church is both organic and institutional. We are, you are a building and you're a field. In the same verse, it's institutional. There's order. There's government. There's pattern. And then there's wild organic expressions and initiatives. If you take take the organic out and go institutional, you've become like the modern sterile church. But if you take the institutional out, the organic is like a river that loses its riverbanks and now it becomes a swamp with stinky animals coming out of there. Insects and stinky swamp. Much of the church is either an institution or it's a swamp. Organic going nowhere.
1: I don't feel like going
0: to church this morning who the hell cares about what you feel <laughs> or who the heaven cares about what you feel yes you can feel the power of the anointing but if you feel hey i feel like killing people sometimes i can't act on my feelings i really do i actually feel like killing some people now i'm not lying i just you say that's it. That you can't do stop being so holy you felt anger and when I see what some people are doing to other people I feel like killing those other people I feel like going back to Donnie Taran Combat School in Kimberley and getting my R1 rifle and shooting it with a .762 traveling at 3000 feet per second that it goes faster than speed of sound and kills you before you know you're dead How many of you know that the church is not just a bride? She's a bride. She's a beautiful, radiant bride. He's washing her with the washing of the water of the word. But it also says we do put armor on, so we're also military. And we're, Paul says, obey your commanding officer, who's Jesus. So there's divine order. There's like, it's military. It's like he's our king and kings. He's our lover and our friend. But hey, he's also Lord of lords, and he's the commanding officer of the church. And the church is also a body. Made up of many living, it's not, people, oh, we just want to be a body, hallelujah. We just be organic church, meeting a home, a few little prophecies. No, 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 no. What you also need is you need the pulpit with someone who's appointed and anointed to preach and sound a trumpet sound that people can gather and go in a focus. It's a body, it's a bride. It's also in the heavenly realms. Amen. We're also an eagle flying up into the heavenly realms. But if you just stay as an eagle, you're going to get weird. If you just stay as an institution, you're going to get weird. If you just stay organic, you're going to get weird. If you just stay as, as a bride, you're going to get weird. If you just stay in one identity, the church has got one identity, but many aspects and facets, institutional and organic, and only apostles and prophets can p- reveal this pattern in the modern world because we are got to seek a sensible church. We've got all options now. There's only one option. The church Jesus is building is the church that the gates of hell cannot stand against. And the way I know it's a real church is, is are there any gates that are falling? Because that church is advancing and affecting the corrupted culture. It's Sultanah. I'm preaching the ideal, I know, but that's the vision. You have to have this lofty vision because it's what pulls you into your future. It's what pulls you out of bed on Monday morning. It's what pulls you into the place of prayer. Without a vision, people perish. They just get distracted. Then they get shallow. Then they get deceived. And then they get under doctrines of demons and justify the most horrendous behavior as I'm free under grace. Now you're bound. Now closing definitely for the last time. Paul with his face smashed and says, Okay, I'm gonna stay here for three weeks with a bit of any inner healing. I need some psychiatrists to help me deal with this rejection problem because this is abandonment and I feel a bit wokey right now. You know, Christ calls us to be rugged, gentle hearted and compassionate and sensitive and gentle and listen to people, but he also calls us to be soldiers. He also calls us to put on an armor. Not every day, I put on my breastplate now, put on my, No, that's, that's crap. What he's saying is the gospel is the armor. If you believe the gospel, you've got the armor on. I don't know what's happening. Maybe I'm hitting some, some sacred cows and they are bellowing. <laughs> I can get away with this. If, if this was some other churches, yeah, I would have been crucified by now. I would have been stoned. You know, when I was preaching law, grace people judged me as legalists. Then I came into grace, and then law people judged me. All my friends abandoned me in Ponttan Highway in that highway area. Not all, but most, pastors leading churches. They all said, "Rob's gone too far. It's extreme in this grace thing. And they all wrote me off. Someone even wrote it in their books. Someone, I won't say their name, they wrote a great book. And I was in the book. I felt so touched. (laughs) I made it. I'm in the classification of Paul the Apostle. My grace is extreme. Grace is extreme. This is the law. Have you realized how extreme the law is? It's extreme. Go and kill your own kids with stones. That, That is a little extreme to me. Of course, grace is extreme. Total, unconditional love, unconditional acceptance. You can't alienate yourself from your father unless you get arrogantly pride under the law and self-righteousness because he resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Any self-righteousness, oh, I've earned it today. I'm tithing, so hallelujah, Lord, now you have to bless me. No, I won't. I resist you because of your pride. He gives grace to the humble. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you for taking all my sin away, past, present, and future. It's all blotted out. You remember it no more because it doesn't exist in the universe and it doesn't exist in time or eternity. It's all gone. So when he sees you, he just sees you as righteous. When you get that clearly as a deeper level, it's like, oh, my God, I can do the miracles Jesus did because I've got his righteousness. So Paul, last time for the third, fourth, fifth time. Paul. He's on his way to Galatia. Don't stop now, Glenda. Don't let me stop. Slap me if I do. He's on his way to Galatia. And he gets there with his face smashed in. And he says, Repent. And they all repent because they're terrified. (laughs) (laughs) They think, they think, they think. (laughs) I don't know, I'm speculating. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm speculating. That was a bit of my sanctified imagination, okay? But what what really makes me angry is some of these modern, whatever they're called. Sorry, careful with your language, Rob. Christians. They say that Paul had a disease. In his eyes. I want to take those people and throw rocks into their face and say, Oh, you've got a disease in your eyes. Look, your eyes are diseased. I've thrown fifty rocks into your face. You've got a disease in your eyes. This is absolute, absolute. I'm sorry, I don't know where these theologians get this stuff. It's not from heaven. It's not from reading the Bible in context. It's not from understanding that the old covenant is redundant and finished forever. And the new covenant is an everlasting covenant that is a superior covenant based on superior promises with a superior high priest and mediator. And we are living in the promised land of the new covenant. And we're never going to go back to the law. And condemnation and fear and rejection and abandonment attitudes. But if we say we believe this, then we better go through beatings and rejections and disapproval and people cancelling you. Hallelujah. I want to be cancelled. As many people can cancel me, I'm so happy. I didn't even worry about social media. I want to be with people face to face. I don't like talking over social media. Only when the SARS, Crohn's was on. COVID, Crohn's. And they repented, and a glorious church was planted there. That then also then tried to go back under the law. And this is the very biggest thing that terrifies me. is so many people in grace are so unaware of how easy it is to fall back under witchcraft and go back under the law. Because just about the whole of the Galatian church, often an apostle with his face beaten and preached the gospel, they turned to something that was no gospel at all. And it says in, in, in Galatians 3, the miracles decreased. Because as soon as you leave grace and faith and go back under the law, incrementally, miracles decrease. That's, that's the only reason why miracles decrease, the condemnation of the law. Low grade or high grade is an increment, an aperture that decides the level of miracles that slide through a little bit. And then we take our experience and evolve our theology around a fallen experience that's contrary to Scripture. Because people actually would prefer not to have miracles, signs, and wonders. They don't want revelation. They want logical, deductive, what I can do with my flesh. So they're like Christian atheists. They don't really need God. They don't rely on God. They actually rely on themselves, and they wonder why everything's struggling. Everyone's struggling, but Christians are going to come through this if they truly know the gospel and know what I'm talking about, Joe. They know it. Amen. And there's no excuse not to know this. It's been revealed. So 10 seconds are close. John G. Lake. You saw over 500,000 people healed in Spockham, Washington, Washington State, in the early 1900s. Not just him, but all of his healing clinics. He had a full hospital with no drugs, not against medicine, no medicine, no doctors, no surgery, no surgeon's knives. 500,000 people went through that hospital, and they were healed. 500 were healed. 500,000, I mean, not, not the ones that didn't get healed, but 500,000 were healed. The government was so astonished, they, they sponsored that hospital, knowing he's a lawyer, not a doctor. The government sponsored him to build a hospital. And then, then people brought in, then, then people said, well, it's, it's from outside Spockheim, uh, people say, oh, it's not God. all always people that just want to deny miracles are happening today. And so he said, okay, set it up. Bring your experts in, bring your legalists, bring your people in, and we'll have a challenge. You can do whatever you want, bring the sick in you want, and in front of you, I will minister to them. And that happened. I think there were four people, and I think three got instantly say, healed of incurable diseases. That was the end of the argument. I don't want to debate anymore. I just want to show proof of the supernatural. I would encourage everyone to do that. We're not to go to these... We're not there to go to satanic priests and try and prove on their terms. But John could pull it off. He was far advanced, John G. Lake. But he said this. He said this. He quoted, he said this. It is one of the most difficult things in all the world for people who are not familiar with the ministry of healing to comprehend that the Spirit of God is tangible, actual, a living quantity, just as real as electricity, just as real as any other native force. Yes, and a great deal more so. The life principle that stands behind all organic realities. So when that lady was healed because she touched him, the electricity came out of him, went there, he felt it came out of her. And then that crowd had been touching him and got nothing. I think that hero hero lady told the crowd how she pulled the power out. Because the next chapter, that's Mark 5. If you turn over to Mark 6, the last few verses of Mark 6, it says when they heard Jesus was arriving from Gennesaret, and he got off his boat, and he was coming into Gennesaret, it said they ran to all the cripples and all the lame people, and they laid them in the streets where Jesus was going to walk so they could just touch the hem of his garment. And it says, and all were healed. So this is the proof. This is the proof that it is God's will to heal all. And the thorn in the flesh and Paul's thorn and Job, all of that is in my book. One chapter on Job, one chapter on Paul's thorn, and I absolutely expose the lies. Amen. I always wanted to be a lawyer or prosecutor, and I got the joy of writing this book and prosecuting the lies of religion and opening up Revelation so that the church can walk freely in Revelation, go beyond the peripheral fence, and our shadows begin to heal the sick. And we just spit, and they're healed, and they're blind. I'm telling you, we, the church is not meant to be living at this level. There's a realm that God's going to open up to humble people, humble people, who will not boast. It's my holiness, my formulas, my prayer life. That got these miracles. No, it's not our holiness. It's not our power. It's all grace. It's the anointing. It's not a special gift. Jesus never healed anyone till he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power, because he couldn't. And we're anointed with the Holy Spirit and power, so we can, like he could. Amen. So, once you stand together, and uh, could we, could we have a keyboard? Maybe just a keyboard, a little bit. Of course, I'd love to lay hands on every one of you because I do love laying hands on people and I love, feeling the, I love the experience of feeling the power go out of my hands into to people. I can't, every one of you know what I'm talking about. It is, it's the most sweetest thing because I know as soon as our power goes out, if they'll take enough, there's no disease that cannot be demolished, destroyed, and turned to dust. And we'll talk more about this tomorrow morning with the leaders to increase the supernatural in every church. Firstly, just as I said this morning, you've got to deal with people who are causing trouble in the church. They're like cancer. They're like... We've got to deal with those who are bringing division in the house. It's okay to disagree on things, but I'm talking about a spirit of division and undermining. And that's what leaders have to handle that with boldness and wisdom and right timing. So Father, we thank you For this church where there are people in this house, the whole house, everyone in this house, has a love for one another. And so Father, we cannot stop asking you for the glorious riches of wisdom and revelation to fill this house, Father. That the eyes of our understanding in this house be opened even to greater apertures of expansive insights into the hope of our calling And what is the glorious riches of our inheritance that we are, Father, we the church, this house is your glorious riches of inheritance. You have an inheritance in this house and you love this house and that we would know what is the incomparable greatness of your power that's towards this house, that same power that was exerted in Christ when he was raised from the dead and lifted up High above all principalities, powers, mights, and dominions, and names, and every title—not only in this age, but in the age to come—and put all things under His feet, for this house to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. In Jesus' name. I want you just take one another's hands gently. Just don't hold too tight. Just very light touch for conduction. I'm going to trust the fire of God to run down these aisles. You can turn your transmitter off, turn your resistor off, turn condemnation off, and have such a receptivity because of grace that God has got a legal right to love you and to pour His anointing, to heal you and touch you, heal your broken heart. Set at liberty if you've been bruised. Open doors that you couldn't get through. All of these favor that comes in the anointing. It has to come tangibly upon you. And when it's upon you, the benefits manifest. To you, in you, and through you. So come, Father. We ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we would receive the confirmation of this word. That you watch over the word preached this morning and tonight. You watch over it and confirm your word with sons following. Let the divine electricity be transmitted down these rows. In Jesus' name, let the wind of heaven blow. We yield to you. We surrender to you. We remember what, Kath, I remember what Catherine Kuhlman said. It's not golden vessels. It's not silver vessels.
1: It's yielded
0: vessels, surrendered vessels. When you know how good he is, You trust Him. And you say, Lord, if you want to anoint me with heavenly fire, with heavenly electricity, I don't care if I fall, shake, rattle and roll. I don't care if my false teeth fall out. I don't care if you stick me to the floor, stick me to the roof, stick me to the walls. Whatever it takes. If Paul the Apostle fell on the Damascus Road, because the light of the glory was revealed. And I believe that was his visitation to heaven when he got his revelation. And in the wilderness, in the desert. If God put Adam to sleep in order to bring out Eve, if God put Abraham to sleep in Genesis 17 to reveal the new covenant coming, if God put Jacob to sleep so he could see this stairway touching earth and heaven, we realize that Proscurio, Proscurio is to fall into a trance like sleep. Not a sleep that is snoring or natural sleep, it is a tranquility and a serenity that opens your inner faculties to the realms of the glory. So let the secret place of the Most High abide you, our Lord. Let your overshadowing presence clothe us with power from on high. Bring what is in us upon us so we be more conscious of your presence than conscious of our inadequacies. Take our inadequacies and our weaknesses and our failures and turn them around for good use them that the devil would be shocked at how gracious you are that everything he's trying to get us to do to fail and even if we failed we run into your arms father and grace wraps us greatest miracle workers I've met many of them have come from a very checkered past very very corrupted past and so they believe God's good People have come from a legalistic background who kind of were well-behaved. They're the hardest people to get under the anointing because they think they earn and deserve it. It doesn't matter if you've had a great moral background or an immoral background. That's totally irrelevant. It's about Father's grace. So come, Holy Spirit. Tangibly touch people here tonight. Some that have never felt the depth that we're talking about. Just yield to Him. Let the wind blow, Father. Let that be a contact point for you to receive. And Jesus breathed on His disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. The Greek word is lambainio. Lambanio, which literally means... Open up your heart. The Lord will stand outside the door of your heart and he'll knock until you personally open it. I can't open your heart. Your wife cannot open your heart. The Father will not open your heart. You have to use the free will he's given you to say, Lord, my name's Jimmy. I'll take what you give me. I am so hungry. I'll open my heart. I need it not just for me. I want it for me. But I want it to be much more than what I need so I can overflow me and touch other people's lives around me. That I can be a revolutionary changer of the situation and move in supernatural power without any pride or arrogance. But in humility, friendliness, and honesty and reality. I just want to encourage some of you. Some of you are doing really well. You're receiving well. Some of you, and just hear this in compassion and love. Some of you are still in your heads. You're still trying to analyze and work it out in your heads. Use your heads for arithmetic, mathematics. Use your head for crossing the road, for driving a car, running computers. But when it comes to receiving heaven's realm, you have to believe from the heart
1: fire fire
0: contact point I breathe into the mark not to hypnotize or any stupid thing like that. It's just a contact point. And if I laid hands on people, it's just my hands, but they had nothing. But it's a contact point for the truth and the fire and the anointing and the tangible presence the electrical divine voltage to come and burn through our lives and burn out fear and burn out rejection and fear of man. Burn out things like Peter had to have burned out of them so we can have boldness and freedom and joy and humor and happiness and blessedness. Burn out grief, burn out everything that has attacked us and lied about us, insulted us. Burn out self-pity. Burn out victim mindset. Burn out ungodly attitudes to the nature and the goodness of God. You can trust Him because He's perfectly good. I've lost loved ones that I prayed for. They died. They never changed my attitude to my Father because I know who He is. I just had to say, I've got to learn how to be more effective in praying. I've got to learn. This isn't a mechanical um, guarantee. It's not about mechanics. It's about relationship with God and learning the ways of the Spirit. My my heart and God's heart is that the day will come where we will get everyone healed because we know the ways of the kingdom like Jesus did. But there's certain contexts that Jesus could not heal in John 4. I mean, Luke 4 and Luke 5, you just couldn't get anyone healed except a few minor ailments. Because of their unbelief, because of their law, because of their condemnation, because of their arrogance and their pride and their fears. They wouldn't humble themselves. Let one another's hands go. Just take a little longer to linger in His presence. Some of you just need to say, Father, help me to move from my head to my heart. Help me to lose consciousness or awareness of what other people will think about me. There were people in Paul's party on the Damascus Road. There was a whole group of people of unbelievers. Paul had to it, they they were witnesses to what happened to him, and he really didn't care. He couldn't care what they thought. It's like me, like I said, I, I just had to deal with my pride in Town and the ministry that came into that city, and the fire of God was falling, and and I didn't want to look like an idiot. And the power of God hit the whole place. Most of the people were thrown off their feet by the power of God. And I was the only one sticking out like a mealy stalk after a hailstorm, conspicuous there, you know. And the Lord said, It's your pride, you know. You don't have to fall over, but it's your pride. You don't want to look like a fool because you've got your congregation here tonight. And that's when I humbled myself. And I just stepped up, and the power of God hit me, and I was on the floor. Electrical currents went through my ribs, through my sternum. I thought I was going to die. I said, Lord, okay, that's enough, enough. Big, big fat tunnies on left and right. I thought they were going to roll over me. They were rolling left and right. And I thought I'd be crushed, but I wasn't crushed. God protected me. He's got to come that reckless place where I don't care. If, it exp- if I lose all my arrogance, I don't care. I've got to have more of your power upon my life. In Jesus' name. Just take one more minute. Both Dave and myself listened to the same message last night. We are talking this morning about a man in Sri Lanka. He was ministered to by a powerful ministry. Many of the people in the building were falling and shaking and Just like on the day of Pentecost, they looked like they were drunken men when the fire came. And there was this big man, uh, he felt nothing, didn't fall, didn't shake. And he went back to Sri Lanka and he talked in his pretty state, principled voice with no power. And most of the congregation just encountered God supernaturally. Everywhere he goes, revival breaks out now. So if you've got that temperament that doesn't shake or fall, don't feel like you're not receiving because you can receive. You may not shake, but someone you lay hands on will feel the power come out of your hands. I tell you, the long years of COVID, economic pressures, marriage breakups, churches splitting, has left a lot of damage in Christians' hearts. And that's why you have to soak and wait and be saturated. It's not a little, little dab will do you. It's not brill cream, little dab will do you. You have to be saturated. The anointing has to be massaged into your emotions, into your heart, into your mind, into your physical body, into your soul. It is a massaging. People have lost their financial savings. Lost a loved one through a car accident or sickness. This is devastating stuff, traumatizing. You may not have experienced any of those things, but just living in this fallen world, So we need to live in an embassy of heaven that clothes us like a shield of faith. Every fiery dart doesn't get to us. I don't want to spend my life pulling fiery darts out of my heart and having to endlessly deal with the enemy's attacks. I want to walk in the invincible environment of the glory of God, covering us in the shield of faith, the protection of supernatural faith, walking in the power of God. And minimalize any access, if any, of the devil into our psyche or body or relationship or family or marriage or church. He's got no legal right. For those of you who can do this, I just want you to take your right foot and stamp it on the ground by faith and say enough is enough. In this day, Lord, we will not neglect the gospel We will daily wait in the realms of fire. Even if it's just 10 minutes, we'll let the fire burn out of us. Any calcification and build up of complications and fear and feeling deserted and abandoned, we will stand and say, the Lord is my strength. The Lord is my joy. I will fear nothing. His glory over me will attract favor and blessing and friendships that are authentic. It's time to walk away from complicated people that are just oppressive and mean. It's not wrong to abandon them, leave them. In many cases in the Bible, where anointed people had to just walk away from certain contexts, brush your feet off and go, and God will open up other people and places and contexts. I'm not saying walk away from this church. This is an oasis of love. This place is a heaven, heavenly environment, very safe place to live in. One more time, just lift your hands if you can still. Say, Father, I never want to be the same. I don't want to lose what you've imparted to me tonight. I will monitor it. I will manage my own heart emotions. I will keep the anointing fresh on my life. Keep me liberated and free. Manifest blessing to me, Father. And manifest blessing through me
1: to others. In Jesus' name. It's glorious, yeah. It's glorious, yeah. We worship you, oh my God. There is none like You, O Prince of Peace, this is what we long to do. We give You praise, for You are our righteousness, yes You are.
0: You, Father. None like You, Jesus.
1: None like You, Holy Spirit. We honor You. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, Jesus.
0: Freshly remind ourselves of
1: the blood of Christ, cleansed us from all sin,
0: removed the memory of sin in heaven, past, present, and future. Clean bill. Ephesians 1 7 says, We have redemption through the blood of Jesus the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. How rich is God? How rich is His grace? Infallible and infinite, inexhaustible. That's how far. He's totally removed all memory in heaven of your sins, past, present, and future. I keep reporting that because it's hard to have faith and, f- and condemnation at the same time. You can't. You have to have a clear conscience. And your conscience can only be clear Through the blood, not through your good works, not through trying to repair the damage you've done. Simple, childlike faith, consciousness that I'm righteous, consciousness of certainty. That's where you live from, from that realm, consciousness of certainty
1: in the goodness of God. So, Father, while, while we sleep tonight, and as we walk and
0: wake up, some have got to go to work tomorrow, and all kinds of demands, and blessed children with getting them to school, all kinds of things. We do, I don't know. Maybe it's a long weekend. I have no idea what day it is. But, Father, I thank you. That you're closer than our very next breath. You never abandon us. It's impossible for you to abandon us because of the cross, because of the blood. It's impossible for you to deny your inheritance. We are bone of your bone, blood of your blood. You could never disown us. Never reject us. Thank you for the Prodigal son who comes running home with a stink of the pigs. And Father, you fall on him with love and kiss him with tears and give him the full inheritance. He'd lost, lost no inheritance. Best robe, first robe, sandals on his feet, the keys to the kingdom, the inheritance of the whole farm. Say, Oh, that's an irresponsible father giving such a weird son. No, grace changes people's lives to be responsible. The older brother is doing everything right. He was not responsible. He was vicious and judgmental, self-righteous.
1: Thank you, Father, for your glory over this house.
0: See, the Lord is not finished. It doesn't mean to say we have to stay much longer, but He's not finished. So, this is, there's, there's a roll on effect while you're sleeping tonight, while we're all sleeping. When we wake up, I need this as much as anyone. There's a constant saturation of the presence. Allah, when the word baptism means you take a garment and you dip it into another color and you put it right under the. Under that color, and that's baptisma. It means if the fabric's white, it turns blue, and it gets right into the fabric. The glory of God has to get into every cell in your body, into the fabric of your physical body, into the depths of your soul, deep in. It has to go so deep in your physical body. David said deep calls to deep. If there's a depth in you calling to, to a greater depth in God, it means there is something greater in God for you. If you're thirsty, it means water exists. If you're hungry, it means food exists. If you are deeply desiring more of God, there is more of God available for you. Deep calls to deep. And all those waterfalls have fallen upon us,
1: flowed over us.